talking about Paul's Jeep. I'm talking about Paul's Jeep. I'm talking about Paul's Jeep. In love. I'm talking about Paul's Jeep. I'm talking about Paul's Jeep. I'm talking about Paul's Jeep. In love. And now for our feature presentation. Welcome back to Balls Deep with Devin and Jovan. Uh, obviously, if you've been here before, I'm Devin and he's Jovan. Uh, it's actually episode 24 and uh, we're, we're announcing, you know, first things first, the Lakers won the NBA Finals 2020 champions. So we spoke it into existence. Um, so episode 24 Lakers won the NBA Finals for number 24, Kobe Bean, RIP. You know, he's the GOAT in my eyes and his eyes. Um, so, hey, we're both happy campers. I know we, we were kind of gassed up for game five, you know, kind of started celebrating pre- prematurely. Uh, but, you know, the refs stole that away from us. And then, uh, but, hey, we came out game six, guns blazing. Uh, the Heat couldn't handle what LeBron was was doing, what AD was doing. The Lakers just seemed to be hitting on all cylinders in all aspects. Straight blowout. Uh, it's like the Heat had no chance, but hey, they made it happen. They were they took they took it more seriously after you know losing Game Five, especially disrespecting the Mamba jerseys. Um, they felt like they had something to prove, and I think they came out. And they looked great. And deservingly so, they they're NBA champions. Um, LeBron was named Finals MVP. Uh, for me, I actually had Anthony Davis as Finals MVP prior to Game Five. So game prior to Game Five, the reason why I had him Finals MVP, he was just dominant on both sides. But Game Five, LeBron. If the Lakers won, it was because of LeBron. LeBron was balling out. Yeah, he, forty point triple double. 40-point triple-double. He just had a different mindset that game. And he kind of continued that in, you know, game in game six. And deservingly so, he won finals MVP. Um, and he just added to his legacy. For, he won the championship with three different franchises. And he won finals MVP for for all his NBA titles. So he won uh, finals MVP for three different franchises. Um, he's just building his legacy and just showing, showcasing why, you know, he's such a great player and why you should appreciate greatness while he's here. Um, and I'm not a, a huge LeBron James fan, but just from those performances in the NBA Finals, you know, I've appreciated him a bit more. Yeah, I'd agree. I probably had AD as the Finals MVP prior to that Game 5. And then Game 5 and 6, LeBron just kind of took over. Um he started to get a lot more aggressive in game five and six and was kind of getting to the basket at will. Uh, nobody on Heat could really do anything about it. They're kind of undersized. Um, so that series kind of almost went exactly how we had thought it would be, except uh, for the fact that the Heat were able to steal two games um, rather than, you know, how we said we thought it'd be a sweep or even the Heat would maybe be able to steal one. I mean, I predicted Lakers in six, but after yeah. watching game one, I was like, it's going to end in five. Yeah. But And they, and they weren't know. able to steal games, uh, steal uh, two games. But aside from that, the Lakers were just 
dominant literally the whole series. They had nobody really to match up with AD, especially with Bam being out. Uh, so that, you know, they're already undersized. So that didn't help them. And then, like I said, LeBron getting aggressive, he was getting to the basket at will. He was putting up point after point, and it, obviously it wasn't helping that they were following him, putting him on the line. He started making them uh, later on in the series a lot better Thankfully. than he was. Yeah, a lot more than he was <laughs> early on. Um, so it was just not – it was not a good uh, series for the Heat. And and I'm – a lot of people criticized him after, you know, the Lakers lost game five. Um, and to me, I don't – I think – he shouldn't be criticized for that performance. He played amazing, and yeah. he literally missed a handful of shots, especially from the three-point he was he was hitting. Um, he was literally controlling the game all game. He was driving to the basket with ease. Um, you know, like you said, he was playing more aggressively, but a lot of people were criticizing him because he passed up the last shot to Danny Green. Um, but my thing is, it was the right decision. Granted, if he went up, I think he would have got fouled, but they collapsed, and, you know, Danny Green was wide open. And although Danny Green hasn't been hitting on all cylinders, like, for me personally, I wouldn't have wanted him to take the shot um, just because how poorly he was shooting. Um, but he's known for, you know, making those shots in the playoffs. So he was wide open. That's as good of a shot you're going to get. Um, and he just happened to miss. So you, you got to live with those decisions. Uh, but, you know, everyone was saying – Jordan would have took the shot. Jordan would have took the shot, and he might have. Um, but the thing is, that was a that was a smart basketball decision. Yeah. Um, but even if he chose to take the shot himself, I think he would have, you know, got fouled. But the thing is, will he make those free throws? Yeah. So you kind of got to live and die by it. Well, I feel like the refs are always hesitant to call like fouls late in games, especially games. So I don't know that he would have gotten the foul. And also, I look at it this way. If if LeBron would have taken that shot and missed or got blocked, then people would have said he should have passed it out. So yeah. there was really no winning for him there. He made the best decision possible, and his teammate just didn't make the shot. Yeah, um, I, I, I think, think I think his teammates just failed him for game five. Yeah. If anyone think, outside of LeBron, AD, and KCP didn't show up. Yeah, 100%. And I think... Even knowing that Danny Green ended up missing that shot, if LeBron got that opportunity another 10 times, he'd probably pass it to Danny Green another 10 out of 10 times. Um, yeah. And it's just how it is. So with the Lakers winning the NBA Finals, um, being 2020 champions, um, who do you see, you know, being their biggest threat next season? Um, now that, you know, the season's most likely going to start in January, or, or the start of uh, 2021, uh, we got some good teams, you know, for uh, returning next yeah. season. So well, for me, the, the obvious choice is the Warriors. I mean, obviously, they're getting all their pieces back from that dynasty that they had just a few years ago. Um, and not to mention that they're also getting, uh, you know, a top three lottery pick in this draft, having, you know, had not the best season this year. So... Um, I think it's it's clear as day that it's the Warriors. I don't see the Rockets uh, being able to compete, especially considering that uh, they're thinking about parting ways with Harden now, or there's rumors. Interesting. Um, I didn't hear about that. Also, the Lakers uh, having the, the money to uh, pick up another 
another superstar. It's very likely that other teams will try to re-up on other players as well. Um, you know, it's very possible that Giannis leaves the Bucks, maybe goes to a team like Miami. But no matter what, it's always going to be difficult to play that Golden State team um, because they're so deadly from the three-point line. Yeah. Um, and we saw what they all did when they were together. Now just adding a top three draft pick, it's really going to be scary. So I, I think it's the obvious choice is the Warriors, Lakers, probably for the West next year. I And I totally agree with you. I was actually going to go with the Warriors just because Steph's coming back healthy. Clay's coming back healthy. Um, you did say they have a top three pick. They're, it's most likely going to be Wiseman if they keep the selection. If not, they'll trade it for someone, uh, a superstar now, uh, you know, to win now. Uh, so that should be interesting. Um, but just to go with a different team, I think uh, going out east, I think I have to say Boston. Um, just for the simple fact, there's rumors. Um, you know, they're trying to get rid of Gordon Hayward. Um and the Pacers actually are interested in Gordon Hayward and Oladipo is, you know, on his way out. So they're talking about, you know, a trade somewhere where where um, Hayward goes to the Pacers and Oladipo and Miles Turner come go over to the Celtics um, in some kind of bundle. But that's, you know, the superstars that would be involved. Um, now, if that trade were to happen, I think the Celtics would get their big man that they're looking for in Turner um, with something to prove because a lot of people doubt him. Um, as of late, and um, they have Oladipo to, you know, add to Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, and Kemba. So that would be a very in- interesting unit. You know, just this past year, the Celtics were giving the Lakers a run for their money because, you know, that small, that small ball lineup, they kind of were dangerous from all aspects. So it's kind of, you know, hard to guard, especially with the Lakers having that bigger lineup. Um, so I think... In the East, it would be the Celtics. In the West, I'd have to agree with you in terms of the Warriors. But another team, and like you said, Giannis, if he does leave the Bucks, he, there there's rumors that he might go to you know Golden State or Miami. But a team that I would like him to go to is uh, Dallas. Just pairing him with Porzingis and Luca, that's scary. That's, that's a scary unit. Um, and I think they, you know, they have a package deal that they could trade for Giannis if, you know, the Bucks were more open to, you know, trade talks. And that unit just right there is pretty scary because they'd be able to, you know, guard, you know, in the paint and they'd be able to stretch the floor. So that'd be interesting. And that would more comp. You would, people would look at them as more of a contender rather than just a playoff team. But um, I agree. I mean, and we also had mentioned, I'm not sure if it was on camera or not, um, the Celtics being probably um, the harder team to face out of the East when we were discussing if whether or not, you know, it'd be the Heat or the Celtics coming up. Uh, agreed that it'd probably be tougher for the Lakers to face the Celtics than it would the Heat, uh, like you said, because of their size um, being a lot smaller, uh, having the shooters. Um, and, so and, you, and you can't being another tough opponent out in the East. And you can't forget about the Nets too, with you know Kevin Durant coming back healthy, you know, and yeah. Kyrie, you know, getting healthy from his injuries. But then also they're going to you know basically rebuild that roster because the the roster this year is not going to be the same as it was last year. 
or yeah. will be next year. The roster next year won't be the same as it was last year or this current season, I should say. Um, they already got a new coach in Steve Nash. Uh, things should get interesting, but I just think chemistry, in terms of chemistry, uh, that team is more up in the air at the moment. They have the, the super, the you know, the superstars. They have the talent. Um, they definitely could, you know, go out and get more talent, like a Bradley Beal or something like that. But I don't, you just don't know what to expect from them at the moment, which is why I said the Celtics. Um, but uh, so a few takeaways that I got from the bubble. So we'll talk about takeaways that we got from the bubble. Um, specifically with the Lakers, I don't see Kyle Kuzma, you know, returning with the Lakers. Um, and I think package with him will be a Danny Green or something for someone that's, you know, uh, that could be a consistent third option. This year was just AD LeBron, and then the third option was, you know, more up in the air type of thing. I think Kuzma is our last, you know, trade asset that we really have. People, you know, are talking about trade rumors that teams are actually interested in him. Um, I'd be interested to see what they could get for him, but I think he's done. Um, I didn't really see his with this team. Uh, when he was hot, he was hot, but I just think, they didn't use him or utilize him to his full potential. Uh, and we've seen that in the finals because he just was non-existent. Um, so I think he's done. I think Danny Green might be on the way out too, just the way he performed. Uh, just because there's so many moving pieces on the Lakers uh, and not everyone's going to be able to return. Like Dwight, I said on record before um, that I think he was going to the Warriors. Then next you know, rumors came out today that the Warriors would be interested in him if he does leave the Lakers, just because I think he's going to be demanding more money and McGee is the cheaper option between the two. And I think we'd keep him, being that we're interested in bringing Cousins back. Um, and Danny Green is getting his contract off the books. I mean, it's a tradable contract, but just getting that off the books will allow us to you know bring in more talent, things like that. Um, and then with the Suns, the Suns need to get help for Devin Booker Booker um cuz he deserves you know to show his showcase his talents elsewhere and then similar to the Sixers uh Joel Embiid balled out but they look terrible so they need shooting um and if they don't get shooting they need to split Ben Simmons and and Joel Embiid up and with Doc Rivers you don't know how they're he's going to utilize that that roster yeah i mean i honestly don't see uh it's it's hard for me to envision uh, the 76ers with both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid after this or going into next season. Um, I'm I've said time and time it's still kind of surprising to me that Ben Simmons uh, can't shoot a jump shot. Um, so I I think it's very likely that he's out the door. Um, I'm eager to see the East. I mean, like you mentioned, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the possibility of Giannis moving to Miami. Um, you know. And then on the other side in the West, I really want to see what the Suns can do to build up on what they kind of did in the bubble. Obviously, it was only, you know, uh, a small stretch of games. Um, but with having another lottery pick coming in, uh, oh, on top of what they've already built thus far with Aiden and Booker, um, I'm, e I'm very eager to see uh, what they can develop into next season into a new season, having built upon that undefeated streak they had in the bubble, if they can get it going early this year and possibly make some noise in the playoffs next year. Um, because 
otherwise, I don't really see Devin Booker trying to stay in Phoenix and make something out of Phoenix. Um, I don't, I don't see him pulling like a Damian Lillard and staying, overstaying his welcome over in, in, in Portland. I see Devin Booker trying to get out of there as fast as possible if these Suns can't, you know, get something going around them. So there's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces, not just like you mentioned on Lakers, but just in the NBA in general. Um, as good as the Lakers were this year, as good a chance I think they do have of repeating they need this to get year, they do need to get better. Um, because as crazy as it seems, the NBA is going to get so much better just from the end of this season to the start of next season uh, with all the like the moving pieces that there currently yeah. is. The talent returning from injuries, the, the draft class coming in, it, it's yeah, going to yeah. be very interesting. Yeah. And just to leave it at, at, at this, um, I actually seen a rumor today that, you know, Houston might be interested in Joel Embiid. So I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I think if they're able to pair him with Russell and Harden, that might be the move. Yeah. Um, and we talked about splitting him and Simmons up. I would have kept Embiid more than Simmons personally. Um, I'd interested to see how Doc, utilizes them because um, he has he had Tobias Harris in, in LA before he traded them to Philly um, and he was a scoring machine there so um, I'm expecting him to you know continue that but will he use Ben Simmons as his point guard or power forward and they already have Al Horford so they need to trade either Al Horford or um, Joanne Beat because Al Horford's basically a modern day five he's not a power forward like he used yeah. to with Atlanta so Hey, I'm interested to see, especially if he goes to Houston, that just makes the West even much harder. And like you said, the NBA is only going to get better from the end of the season to the beginning of next. Um, and with that, we're going to move on to the MLB. We're going to talk about the ALCS and the NLCS with the Dodgers being down 2-1, having an impressive win uh, with an 11-run first inning yesterday. Uh, down 2-1 now. Um, with a game tonight, the Rays and Astros playing tonight as well. Um, with the Rays being up 3-1, uh, Astros back against the wall, and they came out with a very narrow victory. I believe it was 4-3. Um, how yes, do you sir. see the rest of yeah? How do you see the rest of these uh, the series these series progressing? Um, I'll tell you this. So we both had three out of the four teams right. Our Yankees failed us in terms of making it here. And they were both they they were the championship you know they were our winner our pick for to win the the, the whole thing. Um, going in, I said I didn't see anyone beating the Dodgers in a in a seven game series outside of the Yankees, and the Braves came out and proved me wrong. I mean, mind you, they didn't finish it yet, but to take the two zero lead on them um, and then force the Dodgers to come out and score eleven point or eleven run inning to, you know, take away a game um, is very interesting. Uh, I guess I didn't take the Braves as seriously as I um, as I should have, but I do think the Dodgers will come back and ultimately win this series. But the Braves have made this a lot more interesting. They're putting the Dodgers' backs against the wall and get, basically telling them, hey, you can't just walk all over us or just look past us. You got to take us serious. Um, so that's interesting. So... 
I do think they'll turn it around and ultimately win the series. And as for the the Astros Rays, I didn't see the Astros really doing much. Um, I had the Yankees beating them, obviously, and I was hoping for us to get our revenge on them. Just because they've been, you know, targeting the Dodgers, the Yankees, um, and just teams like that, just because of what happened with their 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 incident with their cheating scandal. Uh, so, hey, the Rays pitching just came out and basically proved why they're the number one team in the AL. Um, they they their bullpen beat us in Game Five, basically, and they're awesomely controlling the series. And right now. They're playing game game five, and the Astros are up three two, but it's only the, the the sixth inning, so they can easily come back and take that game and end the series tonight. Uh, granted, but they're they were up three zero, and I don't see the you know the Astros winning four in a row to take the series. So it's for me, it's looking like it's going to be raised Dodgers, but like I said before, I don't see anyone beating the Dodgers, so. Now that the Yankees are eliminated, I think the Dodgers will ultimately, you know, win it all. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot more sold on a, on a possibility of a Dodgers comeback than I am of an Astros comeback. Um, because as it get as it starts to get later in the series, it only gets worse for the Braves. Um, as you are able to get another, a guy like uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw another go. Um, whereas it's exactly the same for the Astros against the Rays. As it gets later in that series, it's a lot. It becomes a lot worse for the Astros because their pitching is not going to be able to compete with the likes of you know Glasnow, Glasnow getting another go and uh, Morton getting another go. Uh, it's going to be really hard for the Astros to win four in a row. Just more, just specifically off the the pitcher they're going to end up having to face in a game six or a game seven. I don't see them. Uh, I don't see the, that happening. Um, Whereas it's kind of the same with the Dodgers. If the Braves don't, the Braves don't take a big three-one lead tonight, um, and the Dodgers end up tying it, it's there. I feel like the Dodgers are going to end up running away with it, and they're going to go from being down 2-0 and just to winning four straight. So I have the same um, championship as you. I got Dodgers and Rays. Um, ultimately, I think the pitching in these series is the real big difference. I mean, both teams have stack lineups that can hit with the best of them. Um, but the Rays and the Dodgers have by far the better pitching. And I think that's what's going to separate them in, in these series, especially if they go longer. Yeah. Um, the Astros that hit with Ver Verlander's injury, you know, hurt them in terms of pitching. So I'm surprised that they made it this far. I mean, I had them losing to the Twins in the first round. But the fact, once they beat the Twins, I had them, you know, making it to the ALCS. But I didn't see them, you know, making it any further. And especially with the ALCS moving to a seven-game seven series, like you said, the longer the series goes, it makes it harder for them. And Granky's not going to save them every single day. Yeah. And even then, Granky has struggled in the series. So, um, hey, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And the offseason is not too far away, and that should make things even more interesting for next year. Uh, as Yankee as a Yankee fan, all I could do is look forward to next year. And hey, I'm looking at uh, Bauer from the Reds as a pitcher that the Yankees need to go out and get. Tanaka, I would like to keep him too. Um, and Severino should be coming back from injury. 
Jermon, it looks like he's done with the, the franchise. Um, just because Nagy's won nothing, they don't want to be associated with him after what happened. I don't blame them. Um, that's lost potential on his part because you know he should have been thinking about his future when he decided to act on what he did. So things are going to get very interesting in baseball. I I really do hope that they continue this you know playoff uh, you know bracket that they have going on. The format I enjoyed it. Um, like. I, like I, we, we said last time, these these teams wouldn't have, you know, been making these upsets because they wouldn't have been in the playoff picture. Like, yeah. the Astros wouldn't have beat the Twins because that matchup would have never happened. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened, yeah. So, I like the format. It, it makes it similar to, you know, uh, the, NBA, the NBA, their playoffs where, you know, a lot of upsets tend to happen. Yeah. So, I, I enjoy it. So, I ho- hopefully they continue it from um, here on out. Yeah, definitely. I like the format and... I, I believe we both said on record, I mean, it gives you more baseball. All the series have been pretty interesting. I mean, uh, considering some of these teams that are getting in, like like we said, wouldn't usually get in with the records that they have, although it was a shortened season. Um, in a, a, a regular season with a full schedule, um, I could see a lot more of these competitive teams getting in and making these series interesting, whereas you see teams uh, you might not, see get those series wins um you know pulling them out because they're getting that second chance that second opportunity to prove why they belong in that playoff i love this new format um especially with the wild card being um extended teams um i hope they keep it you know it gives us more baseball and with that we're gonna you know be back with more balls deep my 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 look what we have here Game of inches, fantasy football standings. By the looks of it, Kenny's getting smoked. Javon is already looking forward to next season. And Devin, I don't know what's up with him. All right, guys, we're back um, with more balls deep. As you've seen during the break, you checked out our standings for the, uh, you know, the Game of inches league. Uh, Javon is, you know, at the, he's not at the very top of the standings, but he's up there. Um, it's surprising just because of how like how much obstacles he's had to go through with injuries <laughs> and COVID. Um, me, I'm sitting there at three and two. I'm making my way up. Uh, I started the season off at zero and two, but you know my points against. I've actually played you know some top teams in terms of uh, you know scoring. So I just had you know some unluck. I was very unlucky. But past three weeks, I'm on a three game win streak. Hopefully, make it four this week. Um, but We'll, you know, keep you guys updated. But to move on, we're talking about college football. And, you know, the reigning champions, LSU, uh, they dropped out of, you know, the top 25 uh, for the first time since 2017 after their loss against Missouri. They lost 45 to 41, bringing their record to one and two. So their hopes for the playoffs is pretty much slim to none uh, just because there's not many, you know, two lost teams that make the playoffs. Um and it's just surprising just because they're coming off of basically a record-breaking season and a national championship. They don't and, have a chance if they were Bama. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but, hey, I'm big on I'm big on their corners, Stingley Jr. Um, I think, you know, I have high hopes for him. But that offense doesn't, doesn't look the same, you know, even though that they have with, – without, you know, Joe Burrow and without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they really haven't found – found an identity. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of what's 
shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, they do still got Jamar Chase, but he can only do so much. And I don't even think he played in the game against Missouri. And they lost. So I, I think, I think he might have opted out to be honest. So yeah. that just, you know, screws them in the end. He actually, he actually did. We talked about it in an earlier episode. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I was just remembering it when I was talking about it. So. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Their offense can't really find an identity, so that just screws them. But it's still surprising just because they're LSU. They're a big program. You expect them to, you know, have the depth and the high high recruiting. Uh, so that's just – that was just interesting, so I, we figured we'd mention it. But what we really want to talk about is my Georgia Bulldogs going up against the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's a high, highly thought um, – or highly sought-out matchup, and it's, you know, might determine – uh, who makes the playoffs? Because not many one-loss teams make the playoffs, and this loss might determine on one of if both teams or only one team go in. Like, if, is this game going to be close, or or not? Basically, um, they're both sitting there at uh, the number two ranked team in Bama and the number three ranked team in Georgia. Um, so th- this has a lot of effect on what you know happens moving forward. So we're going to talk about some of that. But, you know, we talked about it before we started recording. Nick Saban tested positive for COVID. So he's not likely to, you know, be on the sideline coaching. So that takes effect into the game. And we're going to talk about that. So how much do you think that's going to affect the, you know, the results of this game? I don't think – I don't – obviously it does have an effect. Uh, not having your coach and obviously probably the best coach or one of the best coaches ever in the history of uh, football in general, uh, not being on the field obviously um, is huge. Um, But I honestly don't think it has that big effect on the game, uh, more so because with a coach like Nick Saban, you know he's going to have his staff and his players prepared for every scenario out there on the field. Um, Like, what, what, what they would do in the fourth down situation, uh, depending on score or what they're going to do late in the game if they need to get a score and they're down. Um, so things like that, I feel like those are – I feel like Nick Saban is going to touch every base and every aspect of the game that he's going to need to and that his coach would need to – or that his coaches and staff and players would need to, uh, you know, go out and win that game. Um, so – like I said, I don't, I don't know that it has a big effect on the game other than not having your coach out there and kind of getting that same energy and feeling, you know, that presence of him being there. Um, with that being said, are we, are we going to talk about how it affects the college football playoff as well? Uh, yeah, but before you, we jump into that, I'm going to just mention it real quick. Um, so for me, I do think it's going to affect the game a lot. Um, I do think he's just going to prepare his team and his coaching staff to the best of his ability. But it's those in-game moments that, you know, tend to, you know, win them the games. Just think about their last two matchups against Georgia, uh, which one, two matchups ago was the national championship. The other one was the SEC championship. He made an in-game, uh, you know, quarterback decision that won them the game, essentially. I mean, the second one was more in- inevitable because Tua got hurt and Hurts came in and just balled out. Yeah. But the first one, Hurts was just playing terrible. And next thing you know, uh, he put Tua in and Tua won the national championship in the second half. So things like that 
you can't really coach that and or like prepare someone for that. Um, and with with him not being there, you can't just call him up and like, hey Nick, what should we do? <laughs> so um, so I think in terms of like those big moments, it'll play an effect. I think this game will be high scoring. I think this will be a close game. Um, I have no questions about Alabama's offense. They're super talented. You know, they got Waddle, they got Smith, they got Harris. Matt Jones is, you know, showing that he can be, uh, you know, he can take the reins from Tua and, you know, awesomely take over the offense. They look good. I'm not saying they don't. But that defense, that defense is a question mark. And with Nick Saban not being there, it's even, especially in a big game like this, it's even more of a question mark because that's his specialty. And the reason why I say it's a question mark, Ole Miss just dropped 48 points on their on that defense. Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin, but it's still you shouldn't be dropping 48 points on on Alabama's uh, defense unless you know you have that highly um that high, highly that high scoring offense like LSU did last season. Yeah. So I think Georgia with you know their, them with Bennett having their offense hitting on all cylinders. I think this will be a high-scoring game. I mean, Georgia's known for their defense, but like I said, Bama's offense is super talented. So it's going to be a shootout. And I think, you know, Saban not being there is going to ultimately play in Georgia's favor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think that Saban not being there is enough to help Georgia win the game. Not to say that they wouldn't win the game uh, regardless of him being there or not. Um, but I do think Georgia goes and ends up winning this game. Um, but with that being said, I think that's also going to help them in the long run. Saban not playing, or not playing, not being there to coach the game, I think is only going to give them a case to uh, not be completely out of the playoff race. I mean, with one loss, you're already... One loss is obviously huge. You don't want to get a loss to when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, but when you're such a, a big program like like Bama is, uh, when your only possible loss, obviously it hasn't happened yet, but the only possible loss you have on your schedule is against such a highly ranked Georgia, while also your coach not being there. Um, I don't think Georgia losing this, Georgia winning this game has a big effect on Bama being out of the playoffs. I do, however, think that Bama winning this game against Georgia has a big effect on Georgia getting bounced all out of the playoffs. Um, although I think the score does play a factor in that as well. We got to see how close this game ends yeah. up being. Because um, I, I think if it's a blowout in Georgia's favor, I I think the, uh, Nick Saban not being there goes out the window in terms of yeah. making that case for them. But if they keep it close, it, it will play in their favor. Like, A, Nick Saban wasn't there. And they're like, you're right. So yeah. also, they, they might even make it over teams that, you know, are undefeated. So uh, we shall see on that part. But Georgia, I agree with you. If they lose this game, um, it's going to be kind of hard for them to rebound. Um, just because this is the, the biggest game of their season. I'm not saying that they I'm not saying that they won't make the playoffs with one loss, but it'll just make it that much harder too. because, yes, they're a big program, but they're not on Alabama status where – yeah, pretty much college football or in the college football committee want Bama to make the playoffs. They Bama's made the playoffs every year except like one year. Yeah. So I think if Georgia loses this game, um, it has to, one if they need, if want any chance to 
maintain, you know, a status in the playoff picture, I think it has to be close if they lose. And also, I think after that, the rest of the year has to be no doubt. They need to be blasting teams. They need to leave no doubt in the committee's mind that this is a team that belongs in the playoffs, regardless of the fact that they already lost to Bama, if they lose. But, like, outside of this, like, I have Georgia winning. I was going to have Georgia winning regardless, just because I'm a fan. So I'm being biased in that aspect. But I do think Nick Saban not being there helps our case. And I think we'll ultimately win because he's not there. Granted, if he was there, I'd be, you know, a little bit more hesitant, you know, in terms of being objective. Um, But I still would pick Georgia to win. I respect it. (laughs) (laughs) um, At least you, uh, you know, you mentioned possibility of being objective. Saban was there. Uh, But with that, we're going to move on to pro football, the NFL. Um, The Texans and the Falcons both got rid of, well, the Texans, their head coach and GM was the same person. Um, And the Falcons got rid of their head coach and GM. So what's next for the Texans and the Falcons? Honestly, um, I think the Falcons, everyone's talking about it. They need to trade Matt Ryan. And my thing about this is you get draft capital or just weapons that for your defensive side. This draft coming up, you're already at the bottom of the total bowl. You're already at 0-5. There's three quarterbacks at the top of the draft board that you can easily get, and that's uh, Lawrence, uh, Fields, and um, – I forget his name, but the quarterback from North Dakota State, um, I think either or either of those options will help them in terms of making a rebuild, especially with all those weapons that they have on offense. Putting a quarterback, a young quarterback in, in place for Matt Ryan will help them, especially in terms of draft capital, not draft capital, salary cap. It saves them money um, so they can use that money to help out that defense because that defense is obviously what's lacking. Um, well, but. I mean, their their defense was there uh, very early in the season. Um, it was really their offense that was that seemed to be struggling, which was kind of a surprise to me as well as you know everybody else. I mean, they have such a talented offense, but it almost seems like with the talent that they have on offense, they lack creativity. It feels like uh, in terms of like an offensive game plan. I mean, you have Calvin Ridley, you have Julio Jones, you have Todd Gurley who can run the ball as well as. Uh, pa- catch passes in the backfield, um, but it almost seems like they're they they lack, they lack creativity. They're they're too everything they do is a little too obvious. It almost seems like Matt Ryan's forcing the ball a lot of times. They need, if, in my opinion, a name that swirls around that was a big name last year that was swirling around, especially for the Giants, is uh, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Uh, Eric uh, Benyemi. No, um, the enemy. The enemy. Um, <laughs> obviously, he 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 works with the stack chief Chiefs offense now. Um, we know yeah. the kind of weapons they have. Obviously, news of Le'Veon going there. We'll talk about that later. Um, but he knows he knows how to he knows how to game plan with you know tons of weapons. You know tons of weapons. I mean, at his disposal. Um, I think that'd be the perfect fit for the Atlanta Falcons to leave him 
to bring him in as the head coach and then get him a good defensive coordinator. Obviously, like you said, they're going to need a lot of help there. I don't think their defense was that big of a problem up until more recent games. Um, but obviously, that's more due to, you know, really just how young they are. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, you beat me to it. I was going to say Eric um, Bien-Ami is honestly the best option for them, yeah. if, especially if they're going to go the offensive route, just because he's accustomed to working with offense with so much weapons. Falcons have a lot of weapons. Yeah. And the reason why I said trade Matt Ryan, um, I wouldn't trade Julio. A lot of people talk about trading Julio. I'm not trading Julio, but you, if you plug in one of those quarterbacks I just named into that stacked offense – um, and he, you give him a receiver like Julio Jones, it, it makes his job his job easier. And then you get um, the enemy was there when they you know coached up Patrick Mahomes, so you get him a young quarterback to groom himself. You know maybe you get a Justin Fields who you could be a lot more creative with him because he's mobile. Yeah. So and that might open up the the offense for them, but also help them out on the defensive side as well. You could like you said get him a good defensive coordinator similar to how Sean McVay got Wade Phillips when he went to LA um to you know man the defense I mean he's not there no more but Wade Phillips is out there so he could you know I mean, come in that defense I mean we saw yeah. what he did for the Chiefs um so for a GM though um I thought of Lewis Riddick who he's always gonna be in the conversation um in terms of you know just GM jobs I mean the Giants almost hired him before um so it came down to him and Gettleman. So that could be an option. Uh, I know he's very high on the enemy, so I think that he'd probably be his first choice. Uh, but another one, it would be uh, Ed Dobbs. So he's from the Colts, if you guys don't know. He's he's pretty much been a big part of why they turned things around um, the way they have because his scouting, he's really good at his job. And in terms of their drafts, He's a big part of why they've been so successful in, in terms of their drafts. So he hasn't wanted he hasn't wanted to leave that situation because he feels comfortable. But I think a situation like Atlanta would probably you know get him to leave just because that that roster has potential. It has potential, and they could easily you know turn things around next season just because you know they trade a big piece like Matt Ryan, like I'm saying, they could still be a playoff team next year just without how much talent they have. So it just takes an off season, but I think they just need to just wipe this season clean and just go about preparing for next year. Yeah. I mean, they're a talented team. So, I mean, I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't scrap the, I wouldn't scrap the entire thing and, and start over. Um, maybe this season. No, I know. I'm not saying that you maybe like you said, this season, uh, you might just have to uh, get that draft pick. And like you said, maybe draft a younger quarterback if you don't end up getting rid of Matt Ryan. Uh, yeah. Perfect quarterback to, you know, groom a younger guy. Um, yeah. Especially, like you said, with the, all the top quarterback talent coming out of this draft. And speaking of Eric Bieniemy, I think he would be a good option for the Texans as well at, at coach, uh, head coach just because Deshaun Watson, I think yeah. he'd be, you know, they'd be ultimately be perfect for each other. However, I do think... With the Texans being, you know, the off-brand Patriots, I do think they'll lean to a Josh McDaniels just because they like to, you know, steal what the Patriots have. I don't see why they just 
team seem to, you know, try to follow suit of the yeah. Patriots. Um, and then even their GM, they talked about hiring that dude before, after they fired their GM last, and then they almost got caught up in, you know, a fine and lawsuit or whatever the hell the Patriots were, were trying to do. So they backed off and, you know, ultimately, ultimately made Bill O'Brien their GM, which they, I'm pretty sure the fan base regrets because they lost DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I think they'll lean more towards someone who has a history with the Patriots. Um, and Josh McDaniels, if I think he were to leave the Patriots, uh, probably he'd want a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's a good position to go. I know he, he was going to Indianapolis before he ultimately backed up and told them last minute, hey, I don't want it anymore. Yeah, I mean – I'm I'm really curious to see how I'm curious to see how much of an opportunity the Texans are actually going to give uh, uh, Romeo Cornell at retaining uh, the head coaching position possibly after this season. I mean, uh, he seems like he's got a, a good mindset on things. He's very a, a very realistic guy. He's he's already come out and said, I mean, you can't you can't get a new offense and defense overnight. But he wants the team to play with a different energy, a different attitude. Uh, and obviously, we saw that they came out with a win against a division rival. Obviously, it's not the most impressive win um, because it's the Jags. Uh, well, I shouldn't say. It was an impressive win in the fact that they won by a good margin. Uh, the game wasn't close. But obviously, we know that the Jags aren't really a capable team. Um, but obviously, we know the effect that Bill O'Brien or the negative effect that Bill O'Brien had. Uh, maybe if, if Cornell is able to turn the season around and maybe even just fight for a wild card with this team in such in a, 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 a lot weaker division. Um, obviously, the Titans are pretty good right now, but we don't know how good. Um, there's a very good possibility that the Texans could turn around with uh, their division not being as you know potent as you know an NFC South. Um, so I'd like to see how much of a chance he actually has at retaining this. Aside from that, I mean, I know the Texans. Uh, the Texans brought in uh, Jed Hughes, who actually helped them with the Bill O'Brien hire. They said they said they already said they're casting a really wide net uh, for their GM and coaching search. So um, it's kind of wide open for me. I mean, Romeo Cornell does have that Patriots history, so yeah. he's coached for the. So I, I give him a good chance. Like I just said, I think they're gonna make sure they have someone that has you yeah. know history with the Patriots. I mean, but I do think. Like yeah, Between they, them and the Falcons, I do think they have the the better chance of turning things around this season, mainly because of the division that they play in. Yeah. Um, but I figured once they got rid of Bill O'Brien, they were going to start winning. Uh, I did in my uh, breakdown. I had them winning the division, and I still, you know, think they could pull off the division yeah. if they turn things around. Um, and if they do turn things around, I think Cornell, you know, just boosts his okay. chance of keeping the job. But how many people? Oh, who knows if he really wants to be a head coach again? Maybe he just wants. He enjoys being a coordinator. We shall see. But Deshaun Watson seems to you know like him. A lot of players seem to like him. Give him high praise. So yeah. we shall see. Like, similar to how I talked about Matt Ryan being traded, there were talks about when Bill O'Brien was uh, still you know managing everything. The chances of them trading you know JJ Watt to you know the Ravens or something like that. A championship or a playoff team just to get you know draft capital. I mean, I could still see that happening if they continue to lose, but they got their, their first one this season and they seem to be you know 
going in the right direction now. Yeah, and with that, uh, we're going to move on to Dak Prescott, who actually, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but he had a very gruesome injury on Sunday, um, and he's out for the season. Um, so what do you think is next for not only the Cowboys, but for Dak now that he's injured um, and not having been paid, obviously, which was a big story all offseason? I mean, I I feel bad for the guy as a Giants fan. Um, I I think Jerry Jones is he he looks even worse in this situation. I mean, as a in terms of a businessman, maybe people are like, oh, he's smart for not paying him that money now. Yada yada yada. But at the same time, it's like, of course, you say that now. Um, so yes, he didn't put the investment in him, but Dak was durable. He was reliable. Um, so now. He doesn't have that the ties, you know, not to, you know, kind of that safety net now that he's injured. They, like the Cowboys could easily, you know, stop his rehab once the season's over because he's not under contract te- technically. Um, but Stephen Jones has came out and said that he's their quarterback and they're going to try to work something out. I think what the thing, what the contract they're talking about working out probably will be, you know, incentive, uh, incentivized where like something that Dak wouldn't want. So I think maybe Dak probably gets – he'll probably sign a shorter deal if it's more incentivized, maybe a two-year deal um, with the player option just so that, you know, it's more of a one-year deal. But he still has that safety net of coming back and playing again. But I think so, as, being something incentivized isn't playing in his favor. Again, it's almost like playing on the franchise tag. But that's the only way I see him staying in Dallas. I honestly hope he leaves Dallas and is successful elsewhere just so, you know – he could prove them wrong and, you know, ultimately have them regret it. Uh, but I feel the guy, he had one hell of a year going on. I mean, the Cowboys suck, but he was falling out. So he was going to get his money, granted, if he stayed healthy. Yeah. Well, I know you mentioned Stephen Jones. Uh, Jerry Jones also came out and said that Dak is really worth anything you could put on the paper relatively. Um, he threw out that word. So, he he, he uh, says that now. He, he should, if that's the case, he would have paid him already. Exactly. So, I mean, and also when he throws in the word relatively there, I mean, it casts a lot of doubt on how serious uh, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys actually are about Dak. I agree about the incentivized contract, although I do think it's dependent on how well the Cowboys do moving forward in this season. I think if they fall a lot lower than maybe they even they anticipate um and their draft uh pick is a lot higher i i don't i wouldn't be surprised if they completely move on from deck and maybe even try to trade up and get one of these young quarterbacks i mean uh they're known for trading up constantly they always have the assets to do so so you know if they fall within like the top 15 i wouldn't be surprised to see them just go try to jump up and, and grab one of those talented guys you know uh, like Justin Fields from Ohio State, or I mean, or, uh, I mean that would be smart in terms yeah. of salary cap, but I think um, they need to be focused on that defense. And yeah. I think they, they put him in a situation in a fail, um, Dak, just because he needed this year to prove, you know, that he was worth it. And that offensive line that they put him in front of or put him behind wasn't what we're accustomed. That like for the Cowboys to have, like Tyron was banged up, um, Collins was banged up, 
their center was a rookie or is the rookie now, I should say, because their their center, uh, Travis Frederick, had retired. Um, it's not what we were accustomed to. And pretty much it was almost like a caution tape, like literally preparing for him to die just because he was literally getting hit left and right. Yeah. I mean, and he, he was still, still successful. Yeah, he was still having a very successful year. Um, so it's, it is really unfortunate. I mean, like you said, I mean, as a Giants fan, regardless as, you know, a person – it sucks to it sucks to see that happen. I mean, it it was it's very emotional, especially seeing you know, uh, you know, seeing Dak and kind of how he was uh, at least on the field. Uh, it's rough to see. So I mean, he was yeah. the best for him. I hope I hope Dallas sticks to what they're saying and 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 even if they don't sign him, they do take care of him in some way um, because he has done a, a good amount for that franchise. Um, and he was worth the money before. Um, and I think he, he proved even more yeah, from the, the small sample size that we had. Especially with the, the lack of offensive line that he had this year. So, I mean, and, we'll, and defense. Yeah. And so we'll see we'll see what, what he's able to do when he comes back. I know he will be. I know he will come back. Uh, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see just how good he is. Um, ultimately, I do think that is going to be the incentivized contract, like you said. And with that, we're going to move on to our last topic of the day. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Le'Veon Bell. He got released by the Jets. Um, and as soon as the news dropped, I was like, these idiots. And when I'm talking about these idiots, I'm not even talking about the Jets. I'm talking about Adam Gase. Because Adam Gase should have never got the job, should have been fired a long time ago, just because when you have an asset like Le'Veon Bell, you utilize him to his full capacity. And I think, you know, he, he's not big on using running backs or big-name running backs, at least. He has a history of that. And, you know, the simple size that Levon had, he never rushed for over 100 yards. He, that proved it alone. He should have been fired. But, you know, then Levon liked a tweet talking about how he wants to be more involved. And Adam Gase was like, it sucks that, you know, instead of approaching me, you have to go steep to these, you know, uh, antics. And that led to his release. Um, and he ultimately narrowed his, uh, pool of landing spots to Miami, Casey, and Buffalo, which happened to be the Jets' next three opponents. Um, and amongst those picks, I immediately said Buffalo would be the perfect pick just because, uh, they have Diggs, they have Allen, who's on fire. You add someone like Bell, um, even with someone like Singletary there already, that offense is just going to be even more high-powered could compete for a championship this year. Um, I didn't see the point of Miami just because I don't see them in win-now mode. Uh, and KC, KC is just a stacked team already, and I felt like him going there was pointless. Um, but this came out not that long ago before we started recording that he is expected to, you know, sign with KC. And like Ocho Cinco described the situation, this is like, uh, Thanos with um, acquiring the last uh, Infinity Stone. Uh, they're already stacked. They're already the, the Super Bowl favorites. And they just added a piece like Le'Veon Bell, who is still a top running back, regardless of stats. Um, and he, when he played in Pittsburgh, he was their number two receiver pretty much until they got Juju Smith. So adding a weapon like that, yeah. Give it and give it to Patrick Mahomes. The offense has just got so much scarier, and um, 
good for him, I guess, because he wants to win a Super Bowl and he's got something to prove. And I think he'll prove it in KC and, you know, get paid next year, whether he goes somewhere else or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, to speak on Gase a little bit, uh, he really has nobody to blame but himself. I mean, he even said that he needed, they, the Jets needed to utilize uh, Le'Veon Bell a lot more in general, as as well as in the passing game, and they didn't do that. Um, so, I mean, that in itself really made no sense. I was surprised to see Le'Veon go before Gase did. Um, and with that being said, I wasn't really excited about the Chiefs pickup of Le'Veon. I agreed. With, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I I thought the best fit for him was the Bills. Um, it's a lot less crowded over there. We obviously know they have a very talented offense already. Like you said, with Diggs, uh, they have John Brown. Um, Josh Allen's been playing uh, beautiful football, and like I said, their defense is has been playing really well. Until this past week. Yeah, until this past week against you know the Titans, we saw what Derrick Henry did. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like, um, you know, having a running back like Le'Veon who can run the ball just as well as he can catch it, uh, like you said, he was Pittsburgh's number two wide receiver up until Juju, um, is huge for them. Uh, it adds a lot of versatility to their offense. Um, it allows them to do a lot more things that they weren't able to do. Uh, him going to the Chiefs is almost too easy. Um, obviously, he wants to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's everybody's goal that goes to the NFL. Um, but it, it's just, like you said, it's too, it's too easy. It, like you yeah. said, fucking, it's Thanos. It, <laughs> they are already defending champions. They were already Super Bowl favorites. Um, and if he wanted to prove himself to the Jets and to, you know, the people who doubt him still being a top running back, I think the better option would have been the Bills rather than the Chiefs. It's yeah, just, like I said, it's just too easy. I mean, before he came out and narrowed his his options down, I thought you know the Patriots would be a good option just because yes, they they usually go running back by committee, but they've been dealing with a lot in their in their backfield as of late. But just seeing him and Cam Newton on the, the field at the same time, both having something to prove, and also giving the Patriots offense a weapon like Le'Veon Bell, who can you know go out wide and play as a, as a receiver, um, that I felt like that was his best option. But amongst the picks the that he head. picked, I had Buffalo as number two. So when I heard, you know, his options, I was like, that's easily the, the best option for him. And I even thought the Cardinals were a good pick if they could, have, uh, you know, find a way to get him. Just because with D-Hop there and Kyler Murray playing the way he is, that would have been a good pickup too. I feel like this move is not identical, but it's very similar to Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. Um, like, because but the difference is, you know, Golden the Golden State lost the championship. KC actually won it. Um, I mean, KC can't afford them, so that's that. Like, Golden State could could afford uh, Kevin Durant. That's an upgrade on their part. But the difference is, KC didn't need to upgrade anything. They have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who's really really good, and that offense is super stacked. So. I just feel like in terms of, you know, the championship being easy, I think he took the easy route. Um, I Do I think he's going to play at a high level? I do. But it's going to be hard not to in that Chiefs offense. I, but I think he's going to have to play at an elite level to prove, like, he was a big part of why they won the championship yeah. to begin with. Similar to why Kevin Durant, you know, everyone's clowns him saying 
their championships don't mean anything. They were easy. But he did play at an elite level. He did win finals MVP. He was the best player on his team. Yeah, he, he won finals MVP for a reason. So, yeah. Le'Veon's going to have to take a similar approach and prove that he was a big part of the offense on why they won the Super Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more curious to see how long um, he ends up staying there. I don't think it's going to be long at all. I think it's... I mean, it's a one-year deal. Yeah, so it's going sure. to end up being a one-year deal. He's going to go over there. He's going to get his ring. Uh, he's going to prove decent. that he's still the top, one of the top backs in the league, and he's going to leave. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if those teams that he did narrow it down to, or even the Pats, uh, do end up being that you know final destination that he ends up you know staying long term. I, I think what he's what he's doing is th- there weren't that many options right now, so he, you know he wants to go to a high powered offense, uh, and obviously a championship contender or a playoff contender. Um, but I do think. He's waiting it out to next season because he feels like more jobs are going to open up. Like, more teams are going to be in in need of a uh, running back. Yeah. Especially with a lot of the running back class that they have in free agency this year. Um, adding his name to the list is just going to be so much more. I mean, he barely did anything with the Jets, and he got paid money. So he's <laughs> he's, sitting, he's sitting good on that aspect with, with millions to spare because they still owe him money. So... To, you know, take a, a low deal just to go win a ring. Fuck it at this point. No, I agree. He's I mean, I'm wishing him the best because I felt bad for him with the Jets because Adam Gates didn't put him in a place to succeed. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. It's helped my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, that wraps up episode 24. Go Lakers! RP Kobe! Um, so we talked about some NBA, NFL, college football, baseball. So just tune in next time for episode 25. Our, you know, weekly pick for the NFL should be coming out soon. We'll be dropping that, you know, prior to Sunday's games. Uh, so just stay tuned for that. And as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, we're available on, on all platforms if you don't already know and thank you see you next time peace you're talking about balls deep i'm talking about balls deep we're We're talking talking about balls deep in love i'm talking about balls deep my boy's talking about balls deep we're talking about balls deep in love